This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. There are a lot of things in the works here on the podcast. Some of them are really cool, and some of them are akin to making sure the dirty dishes in the sink are washed and put away. We are pulling the curtain back a bit and essentially letting you in on a 2023 planning meeting for a life of an architect, while we bring you up to date on some of the things that have already happened. Welcome to episode 119, Architectural Defrag. Today's episode is generously brought to you with support from Peterson, manufacturer of pack-clad architectural metal cladding systems. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're going to try something that I don't think we've ever done before, which is to basically let you in on a behind-the-scenes work session on what we do here to bring the podcast to air. I think this will be, at least I hope it is awesome. <laughs> but don't oversell it. Don't oversell it. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally underselling. You know what? I think there's a lot of cool stuff that's on my bullet points for us to work through. It's kind of a working session to a certain extent. So for all I know, Andrew and I are going to get in a raging fight with one another over something. I mean, maybe that'd be the reason to stick around. Maybe. Yeah. All right. You know, it's funny. You know, I said I'm kind of disproportionately excited about today's show because we don't ever do this sort of thing. But if we wanted to be super architectural about it, we would refer to the show as a charrette because we're treating it as a working session. But I'm going to stick with my original title of Architectural Defrag because essentially I need to work through a bunch of this stuff to clear my head so I have room for other things. More important things for you. And this is probably cluttering your brain quite a bit. Well, it definitely eats up bandwidth because it seems like it never ends. Mm. As soon as we... Look, this is a two-week turnaround for us. Mm. In the yeah. best of certain... Because it's a two-week publication. Like, we publish every two weeks. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we have 14 days that we're working on this in between. So, for example, it's Thursday night. And that means we have, I don't know, like 10 days, 11 days until this goes out. Yeah, we're, we're under the gun even more now. Yeah. And when I woke up this morning, I had like a couple of super half-baked ideas on what today's topic was even going to be. Yeah. For a while, I thought, I go, oh, I'm going to make this a financial show because there's a couple of things that are going on that I wanted to talk about. And let's be honest, that's kind of the premise of how this show is supposed to function. Like you and me, we're just sitting next to each other at a bar and you're like, what's up? And I go, man, this is what's up. And then we hit record and that's what the show is. That's kind of, at least when I first thought of doing it, yeah. that was what this show was going to be. And the thing that's a challenge, and the reason why we don't do shows like today too often, is because the other decision I made when I started the podcast back in 2018 was, and this was, I thought, different than what most other people were doing, was to do a formatted show that's around an hour long that we have one topic, and that's what we focus on. And not 12 things that we just kind of skip like a stone across a flat lake. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. In reality, it's somewhat contradictory to the thought of sitting down at a bar and just going, what's up? It's more like, what's up about one thing? Which is fine, but... Well, we might hit 10 things, but we're just focusing on one. 
we might hit a bunch of things at a bar. It doesn't have to be the entire conversation from the bar. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm just saying in that essence, though. But it's true because we try to at least be somewhat focused on one idea, one concept as we roll through. Maybe not a lot of other people do that. I think part of it is to keep yourself under control because you and your rabbits. <laughs> My rabbit holes. Yeah, it could get all over the place, which I think is fine. But at the same time, it also helps us hone in and figure things out a little bit better if we can put together those concerted talking points and go, okay, here it is. Let's keep it short because we could talk for hours. Especially if there's no point. Yeah. If there's not a point, then I kind of go, well, then why would somebody want to listen to it? That sounds like cable access programming brought to you <laughs> podcast form. I, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, 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 I know. But I'll also say because we made the decision to say, well, there's going to be one topic and that's going to be the focus it makes doing this actually a lot it'd be super easy for me to talk about 10 different things for five minutes mm -hmm. i can do that all day long every day that is not hard at all yeah then we got an hour we're done yeah but to say hey talk about this one thing have a start point a middle point an ending and have it be of some value for someone to listen to that's not that easy to do at least not now at episode 100 and whatever it is yeah 19 <laughs> And I'm not asking for anyone to feel sorry for me, but nowadays, like I thought, oh, we'll do it on architectural fees and getting paid. And we can answer questions like, what happens when somebody doesn't pay their bill? What do you do? Mm -hmm. I think that that would be interesting. But I also have like 10 different times where we've talked finances on this program. Mm -hmm. And because it's a long format show, I have no doubt that people just heard what I said and they went, you know what? I really would have liked to have heard that conversation on what do you do when your client doesn't pay their bills. I have no doubt that people want to know that. I can't talk about that for 45 minutes. I mean, we could, but it would turn into a rant that nobody wants to hear about. Yeah. It would just be a, a session of like, oh, rah, 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 rah. so, I mean, it's possible, but that's not the bent. No. That's not the road we want to go down. Yeah. And I think you probably start repeating yourself and your points about after the first eight minutes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we could, we could all come up with different anecdotes about it for sure. But yeah. So that's kind of the premise. So I wrote down a handful of like kind of big bullet point things that Andrew and I typically work through when it comes time to record one of these episodes. And part of it is we build upon what we're actually doing. So. Now, I'm not going to list off a bunch of programs that we're about to do, but the first part of this is just, okay, Bob and Andrew, what exactly have you been doing? You know, especially since I just got through saying that my bandwidth is, is somewhat limited at the moment. Yeah. Well, I can't even remember. Was it last week? It was last week. Yeah, it was, it was a week from today, wasn't yeah. it? No. Well, no. it was a week from today when we got back. <laughs> yeah. So today's Thursday. So a week ago this last Monday. Yeah. So Andrew and I went to... KBIS IBS show, which is the International Builder Show and the Kitchen and Bass Industry Show. They partner up. It's in Las Vegas currently. It's a humongous show. Ginormous, gigantic, like Titanic size oh show. Like it's unbelievable. If you've never been, you can't even fathom how ridiculous it is. You can't describe it. Yeah. And it can only be held either in Orlando or Vegas because it's the only two convention centers that are big enough to house it. Mm -hmm. And in Vegas, it's Every bit of the East, North, West, Central, it's, it's all of it. It's not like, oh, we're in this building. It's all of the buildings. And they spill outside <laughs> and they take over that yeah. closest parking lot. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. You know, and I've mentioned it before. Part of what makes it great is that there's a density. 
there's nothing there that you're interested in that you probably couldn't find. Now, you might have a hard time getting to all the things you want to see because it's so big. So at AIA conventions, you can go to the expo, you can walk down one aisle, turn right, go to the next aisle, walk back up. Like You can do that. And you can walk the entire show in like maybe a half a day. Yeah. You wouldn't even make it through a third of this in no. a day. Yeah. Not stopping to talk to anybody. You just like covering the space. They're just doing the sheer walking because we didn't do that, right? We had very poignant things that we were trying to get to. And we walked, what, like nine miles a day? And that was just the very poignant, we're going to go exactly to this booth, exactly to that booth. Yeah. We did not stroll aisles at all. No, between the hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., I got over 10 miles. Yeah. The two days that we were trying to work the show. Yeah. And it's funny because I wrote down a bunch of different notes. And the other thing is, is we were not going to go to this show. And we've been a few times. We've actually recorded episodes at the show. Yeah. yeah. And we weren't going to go. But we have, Andrew and I have a handler when we go to this show. <laughs> And her name is Amanda, and she owns a PR firm called Fair Game A&D Marketing. And she is the person who's responsible for getting us where we're supposed to be. And she sets up meetings and appointments, and she's like, oh, you're going to talk to this guy, and then we're going to go say hi to this person. And I mean, she's very good at her job, to the point that sometimes we don't like her because she works us like a taskmaster. Yeah, and she's very good at it because she puts up with you and I. Because we're not always the easiest people to put up with in those situations. No, because you know what? It's like, sometimes I feel like I'm a painted donkey. That's what I tell people. I get led from place to place and they're like, here's the person you're talking to. Be nice to them. And I'm like, I've talked to too many people already. I don't feel like talking to anybody else. She's like, suck it up. Well, you know, go put a smile on your face and like, yeah, be charming. And I have a certain amount of capacity and then I run out. To be charming. Yeah, I do. Honestly. I'm just giving you grief. But I think I did pretty good this, way better than the last time we went. Last time I I was like getting out of the taxi, I'm done. She's like, let's (laughs) go to this party. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We're supposed to go to some nightclub. And I'm like, I'm going to pass on that because my feet are killing me. I haven't eaten in like 300 hours. I've already got a million miles on my feet. I don't want to go to a nightclub and try to talk to somebody when the music's popping and locking and jamming and rocking. And I can't hear them. Because I'm old. I don't want to do that. Right? We didn't do any of that this time. No, it was a really boring trip. And not in a bad way. This was an incredibly boring trip. Not in a bad way, but yeah. Well, I mean, people talk about it. You go to these conventions and they're like, well, you know, we still had a pretty good time. They're like, oh, I worked the whole time. Yeah. You also went to the bar and had a great dinner here and you went. Yes, that stuff took place. There wasn't a, a ton of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So one of the things that I got in on Monday, a couple hours before Andrew. And I was able to have a meetup with one guy in particular. And it was a guy named Brian Uller. I never say his last name. I can spell it. I don't know if I'm saying it right. You know, he's in Washington. He's a home builder. And he and I exchanged a fair amount of messages on Instagram with one another. And I was killing time. And there's nothing I love more, note sarcasm, (laughs) than walking around Vegas casinos by myself. It's not really my thing. Sounds fantastic. And so I knew Brian was going to come and his brother Timmy was going to be there and their dad Tim was going to be there. It's a whole thing. And they're social media superstars. Like his brother's got the account Awesome Framers and it's got like a billion followers and they dance and they're like, they're pretty cool stuff. You learn a lot of stuff about wood framing. It's an awesome account to follow. 
And it's amusing, right? It's not just boring stuff. It's interesting stuff. Yeah, if you want to see a couple like, you know, middle-aged white guys dance to Britney Spears while they're wearing nail guns, it's the feed for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But Brian also has his own feed, and it's the name of their business, and it's Pioneer Builders, Inc., I think is the full name. And he's like very down to earth. He's like, hey, just installed this new water heater. It's got a heat recovery pump, and it says, like, he teaches you stuff. It's an Mm -hmm. educational feed, and honestly, that's why I really like Instagram. So I messaged him. I was like, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Maybe we should be there together, (laughs) you know, and have like a drink. So he met me and he brought his dad and another guy that works in the shop. And we went to a, it was kind of a bar. It's one of these bars that's inside the, you look up and you see the top of the casino, but you're in a bar kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was weird. It was four o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. And we just talked shop for like an hour and a half. And it was cool. It was a cool way to burn the first night. And then Andrew got in like a super late. Yeah. Like really late. That was a lot of fun. I mean, my flight didn't get really late, but getting from the airport to the hotel, which was literally a 10 minute cab ride, took two and a half hours. Yeah. It was absurd. If there's no traffic, it's five minutes tops. Yeah. yeah I know. So the other thing is, is since we didn't think we were going until like a week before the event, Yeah, that was the other joy of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So unless we wanted to pay like $1,500 a night to stay in some hotel where there was something going on, like on the strip. Sorry, but I don't have having that kind of money um, as I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. So I tasked Andrew and he's really good at this stuff. Andrew, over the course of the length of time I've known you, makes reservations like at four hotels for any one event. And then he just kind of either gives whatever he decides not to use away or cancels it, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, I've already got them for AA in San Francisco. I was going to ask you about that. So thank I've you. already got them. Yeah, nice. we're already set. Right? So I've got, couple, I've got several <laughs> options. Yeah, so, so we didn't think we were going to be there. So I was like, Andrew, can you just take care of this? And I gave some parameters that I thought were important. And we kind of went back and forth. At one time, we're like, uh, let's just go and stay someplace that's nice. And then I went, I don't want to spend the money on that. Because this is coming out of Bob Borson's pocket. I don't want to do it. So... <laughs> We stayed at a place that was 1.2 miles from the convention center. You're like, 1.2 miles? That's not a lot. I mean, after walking like 12 to 15 miles all day, that mile, 1.2 miles back to the hotel felt really far. (laughs) You know, that really added a lot. Yeah, that one night was rough. Yeah, but it also meant like you couldn't just pop back to the hotel if you're like, oh, I don't want to carry my bag all day. I'll just go stick in the hotel. Well, that's not an option. And good luck trying to find a cab at a convention where there's 120,000 people. You're going to be in the cab line for 45 minutes, and I can walk 1.2 miles in less than 45 minutes. So that's kind of the decision that you do. Yeah, yeah. But we did find out that it was, it was a much easier walk first thing in the morning. We were like, boop, it feels great. Yeah, not bad. It took us 20 minutes. And then that, that night it was like 48 minutes. It took a little longer. To get back and it was like, uh, we're dragging. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is it wasn't like a casino hotel. So there weren't restaurants in the lobby. There weren't (laughs) things to do. You got there and that's it. Yeah. I basically slept in a kitchen. So we stayed in one of the, it's like an extended stay place. So when you opened the door to the room, there was a kitchen spot and then the bed. Well, my bed. (laughs) And then there's a bedroom with a bed in there. And yeah, Andrew's a world champion sleeper and I am not. (laughs) And so we would go to school. Okay, it's nighttime. Go to bed. He'd go in his room, shut the door. I'd go to the kitchen, get in bed, not shut any doors because there's no doors. 
Close the cabinet doors. <laughs> knowing that I'm going to wake up three hours before you and do work. I'm going to work for mm-hmm. three hours before you roll out of bed. Because that's just, I'm up. That's just become my pattern of life. It's, <laughs> I was like, and that's not because I'm sleeping till noon. That's just because Bob gets up that early. Yeah, I get up at, a, I was waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, Vegas time. Yeah. I, I'm not setting my alarm to make that happen. And I would go, oh my God, I would love to sleep two more hours. I just don't. Yeah. I don't, just don't. I don't like it. So we went to that trip. It was fun. It was exciting. We saw lots of really cool stuff. And I think Andrew's going to write a blog post and say like, here's five cool things. I mean, I saw them too, but Andrew's going to. He's going to take on the task of actually articulating it. How about some really cool things we saw from some pretty impressive big brands? So I'm excited to see that come to fruition and, and see what comes out of this trip. Because part of the reason we go on this trip is we're looking for topics and we're looking for things that are worth talking about. And we're looking for people that are interesting and have a message that's somewhat aligns with our way of thinking. So hopefully the one day of getting there, the two days of being there and the other day of getting back yield some fruit from that exercise. That's the goal. Hopefully. On a scale of one to 10, how positive do you think? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, I don't even want to say. Who knows? I'm going to go seven. A conservative seven, I think. I was going to say this year felt like definitely one of the better trips for that than other years. Yeah. But it's hard for me to wager since I got sick coming home. So. Yeah. Andrew got COVID. I got a negative seven for coming home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And somehow we talked about this before we hit the record button. We're pretty sure Andrew got exposed. And I don't know how everybody to get an exposed. There's literally people everywhere. And it's close yeah. contact all the time. All the time. Even Andrew and I, we're danger close for at least a day after we think you got exposed. But somehow, I dodged that bullet. Didn't get it. Yeah. Unless it was just that night and we weren't danger close. But, I mean, we still shared a cab to the airport and stuff like that. So Yeah. We sat in the, and like those chairs. Sat and ate sandwiches together. And like, ate. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I know. We're high-fiving our sandwiches together before we take a bite. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was what we did at the beginning of the year for the purpose of finding out what we're going to talk about. So I think that's a good segue to my next bullet point, which was like show topics. And I feel fairly sure, or that's not the right way to put it. I feel fairly confident that the vast majority of people that like, we get a bunch of new listeners. Like our numbers are pretty, they're really good. I'm kind of surprised sometimes how, how good they are. And I'm very grateful for that. It makes me go, how are we doing this? I'm amazed by it. <laughs> and it puts pressure to keep it going. Yeah. It's why we edit the way we do. It's why when we made yeah. any money, we put it all back into equipment so that the audio isn't a drag for somebody. Like there's reasons why we do it, but also we want to seem like we're pros. Yeah. This is a reflection of what you might get in anything that I decide to take on. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. I'm having a chat today with Blake Batkoff, who is the Great Lakes Regional Sales Manager with Peterson, maker of pack clad architectural metal cladding. Hi, Blake. How are you? Thanks for joining me today. I am pretty good, Bob. How are you? I'm good. The reason why I have you on today, we're going to talk about pack clad wall panels, and there's a lot of options for architects to choose from, but I would like to talk to you specifically on the modular AL wall system panels. What's the first thing you want someone to know about the modular AL wall system? Well, when we're talking about a modular AL panel system to an architect or a designer, the first thing that they usually talk about is how does it compare to a composite panel? And my usual response is that you can get the same look as a composite panel but you're going to get it at a reduced cost. 
Prisk, especially when you talk about budgets now. Everybody talks about budgets now. Yeah, and they start to do some value engineering. So you can get the same look of a composite panel, but you can get it at a little bit more cost-effective price. Well, let me ask you a question because I'm familiar with the product, but there's some language every now and then that comes up if someone's just doing some exploration, they may not understand. So this is listed as a cassette-style metal cladding. Can you explain what cassette means? Well, cassette would mean that it they're all individual panels. So there's not something that is like you take it and you just put it on the wall, the unit. Yeah. So each one of these are individual panels that are interlocked together and fastened to the wall. Each panel is kind of installed. Well, this is an important distinction to make when you say that we're working with a cassette style system because part of what makes the modular AL wall system so interesting is you can get it in different sizes, you can get it in different shapes. You have like a stack bond, you can do a running bond, and you can do what's called a mosaic, which allows you to use different size panels to create a wholly unique pattern on your project. Yeah, that's correct. That is, I think it's the best attribute of the product is that you can do a lot of different designs with it. So you can have a panel that is a three inch depth, and then you could have another panel that's going to be a one or one and a half inch. And you can intermix these within the wall system itself. Gives you a lot of flexibility. And you can even change the joint width as well, right? You can go from like a half inch up to an inch on this system. You can, exactly. This is kind of interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I really like about this particular system is that you can have all these different size panels and they range between two and 10 feet, depending on the gauge that you use. And we already talked about the fact that you can set them at different depths so I can play with my dimensions in three axes. Yep. But all the panels are available in all 46 standard pack clad colors and custom colors. Yes, that is correct. So the availability of colors is one of the bigger selling points of the product. Mm-hmm. Because it's available in any of our standard 050, 063 color palettes. Sure. So that's what kind of makes it economical because we don't have to deal with custom colors, don't have to deal with expensive composite material. But to your other point, it is also available in custom colors as well and heavier gauges. So you can make this out of 080 if you have a larger panel and you want to make sure it's a little stiffer. Right. Definitely go up and gauge. This system, we're already giving you a lot of options, but you can get it perforated, which includes a bunch of specific patterns, or you could like spell words, you can form logos from a what's available to play around with. This system's got a lot of moving parts that are fun to play with. It absolutely does. And that's that's part of the beauty of it is that you're not locked into a two by 10 or one by 10 or one by five type modular panel size. But also the perforating is a nice little attribute to the product line. You know, you can have a little fun with that if you want to put your name in the panel. You mean I can put my name in the panel? Well, you could, Bob, (laughs) if you really wanted to. (laughs) That's what brings a kind of fun, that the architect has a little bit more latitude to play around in this system than, say, a composite panel, something that's a much heavier gauge. And this is also no sealant concealed fastener system. So it's really clean. Exactly. It works the same way as like a composite panel. So it's a rain screen system. Yeah. So they all operate the same way. And you're right, there are no sealants. There are no caulk in the seams or anything like that. Everything is face fastened directly to your deck or to your studs or whatever you have. That's really amazing. So for anyone who's listening, if you want to inquire about the perforated panel or Peterson's metal roof and wall cladding products, 
send an email to info at pac-clad.com or call 1-800-PAC-CLAD. Blake, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with me for a couple minutes. Well, you're welcome, Bob. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, take care, and I hope to see you on the sales floor. Absolutely. See you around. So if you listen with any regularity, you might have already figured all this stuff out. For example, we have some topics that are like recurring themes, like Architecture School 101. When we try to target anywhere between two and four of those a year, and we try to align like, this is what's like, let's talk about portfolios, because guess what? Students are starting to work on their portfolios, and let's have a conversation that might be of value to them. Yeah. And so we've done a bunch of those. We have a Residential Architecture 101. and the Residential Architecture 101 series last year, 2022, manifested itself in a discussion over SD, schematic design, DD, design development, CD, construction drawing. Like, we're trying to explain, like, what does that mean? What do you get? What are you paying for? What's the fruit of that process? That's what that whole purpose was for. Mm-hmm. But we had other topics that we didn't really get into. And, and to be honest, part of the reason we don't do them as often as maybe I think we could do them is because Andrew doesn't do a lot of residential work. And I already talk too much on the show and don't let Andrew talk as much as he probably should. But if I choose a topic that he doesn't do anything in, then it just seems spiteful, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I just get to go, yes, you are correct, sir. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, and so I try to be, people may not believe it, but I try to be a little sensitive to that. We also have, and you know, and this has been kind of a, hot and go series, to be honest with you. I think we could really turn it into something if we want it. And that is the talking shop with fill in the blank. Because we've had like Marlon Blackwell on, we had Omar Gandhi, we had our buddy Eric Reinhold. We've had a number of really interesting people on those shows. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about it, though, is, and I don't know if people realize this, I don't write those blog. I typically write every blog post for the podcast, except for when... Anytime there's an interview. Yeah, if there's an interview or if it's not like, I can't just be glib. Yeah. You know, like if it's like real writing, I don't do it because that's not what I do. Andrew writes real stuff. Like he was written articles for our state component magazine and yeah, I just can't do it. It's agony for me. (laughs) So we flip flop. I'll tend to edit the audio on those ones, which is a beating because there's three people talking, but he'll write the posts. But those are fun. I always enjoy those, but we don't do a ton of them. We thought we would do like four a year. And we do like two, if we're being honest, we might do two a year. Well, when we started, I think we ended up, we got three or four the first year and then two or three the next year. And then I don't even know, we might've just done one in 2022, if at all, like that we actually called it that. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing we, maybe this is one of the things that we, we need feedback on. It's like whether or not people actually enjoy those shows. Yeah. I mean, cause sometimes I don't know if share this, but sometimes those aren't our best performing episodes. And sometimes those blog posts aren't the best performing blog posts either, because it's like hard to interact with an interview with someone. Well, we should say this. When we say they're not the best performing, it's not because what's important to us is we get banger numbers. Well, yeah, yeah. We take the fact that we don't get banger numbers as an indication that people may not be interested in that show. That part, yeah. Or the format, or it's one thing when I we have somebody on and Andrew and I sound like DJs because we got nice equipment and some guys in a portalette talking through his Apple iPhone earbuds. Yeah. And the audio is terrible. Like that figures into it. Yeah. And it's funny, if you're somebody that we bring on the show, 
We have an email that we send out that tries to explain. Like a form letter. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not live. So if you say something, you're like, wish I hadn't said that. We'll take it out. We get rid of ahs and ums and your nose. And if you tell a story and it doesn't go anywhere, we will represent your best interests on your behalf because that's what we would do for ourselves. So we extend that courtesy as decent human beings to anybody we have on the show. Mm -hmm. Part of that email says, hey. Don't be in a live room. Pick something that's got some soft, like has carpet or you have drapes or there's something. And if you don't already have a good mic, which part of me goes, everybody should have a decent mic because we're all on Zoom calls all day. Here is a $15 one from Amazon. If you want to go crazy, here's a $26 one. And you'll sound pretty close to what we sound like. And you won't sound like you're talking in a portalette. Down a megaphone or something. To my knowledge, nobody's ever done it. No, I don't think so. I think the other thing is, you know, we could buy one of those mics and mail it around, but then again, that takes time and it gets lost. There's not a real logistical solution for that, for us to be able to make sure that everybody's audio quality is where we would like for it to be so that we all sound the same. Yeah. Well, it's what tempers our enthusiasm for having third pe- third party persons on the show. I mean, that's part of the reason why we don't do it sometimes because we go, and we just hope the audio doesn't kill everybody. Oh, you called from a metal can. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we also have, as part of the series, we do Ask the Show, and we have historically, once we started them, we pretty much have done two a year. Yeah. Really, March is about the time when the first one comes out. You know, it's funny, we have this long list of questions to come in, so if you've ever submitted a question, because I'm the one that puts the polls out, and I screenshot and write up everybody's question, and we, if you're the person who asks the question, I try to track you down. You screenshot it, send it to me, and I keep the yeah. log of yeah. all the questions, but... Well, Andrew then started to break them into categories. You might have five questions that, short of a word or a turn of phrase, they're kind of all asking the same question. Yeah. And we work through as many of them as we can. Not necessarily on a show, but I'll ask for new questions, even though we're still drawing from previously submitted questions. Like, we're always trying to re-up the pot on questions. Yeah. But we do have a big running list still that, again, we keep track of. You know what? It's not as big a list as you think, because some of the questions on there, I go, that is so specific to Bill well, Miller. Like Bill Miller this wants to go, what does Bill Miller do in Port Orchard, Washington, when I want to get a new... I go, I'm not answering. That's too specific to you. Yeah. Those ones true. we tend not to focus on unless somebody asks one that's like really interesting, even though it's super specific to them. Yeah. So, and then we have the gift guide, which is not really a series, but it's ongoing because we do one every year. Yeah. But the one thing I thought I wanted to tack onto that was we mentioned we have the talking shop with when we bring a guest on. Now we have guests on, actually, we've had quite a few. I think we're up to like, we do like about at least four a year. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't call those talking shop with because the talking shop with is very specific to that person. Sometimes Andrew and I want to have a topic to discuss, but the truth is, is we're not experts in that subject matter. And we think the dynamic I have somebody who's really into that thing, like for example, episode 106 was on interior architecture. So let's get Joey Shimoda on because that's what he does. He's like recognized across the country for being really good at it. We had small firm strategies with our buddy, Mike McGlone, mm-hmm. right? Who has run a wildly successful 50 plus person architecture firm for 30 years. Yeah. It makes sense to have people who have these backgrounds and have the experiences to where sharing where it's not just Andrew and I, a little too narrow a bandwidth of what are like, here's my own unique personal experience. That's how it is for everybody. Yeah. And like, 
we had Alex Hograve on. We were talking about visualization because he got into the nitty gritty of that stuff. And yeah. we were talking about green building and got, we got dirty about that yeah. with Tori Wickard. That's where we get specific on things, I think, is we, you know, this is a good topic. It's relevant, but we're probably not the best voice on that. And so we try to find people that can speak to that in a, a better way. But that still are willing to have a little bit of fun with us along the way. I think that's the other kicker there. It's like, that is, that's important. <laughs> I still remember, and I feel like it's a lost opportunity. So I'm pretty good buddies with Marlon Blackwell. So I feel like I could call him up and say, hey, I'm rolling in town. You want to grab a drink? He'd say, yeah, sure. Like, I have that. Yeah. The one person that I wish I had that with, I think I could have that with, but I don't, was Matthew Huft at Huft. Oh, yeah. And we talked to him about design and fabrication. And that was a really fun episode. He was a really engaging, fun person to talk to. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And I got off the show going, man, I want to hang out with that guy a bit more. Yeah. I know. Let's drive over there and, and yeah. have some drinks and check out his workshop and stuff. Yeah. But I also got the vibe that he thought that we would be okay to hang out with as well. You know, I can't say that. I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, maybe you can say that, but yeah, I, you know, I'm I don't feeling know. pretty good. Yeah. I feel good. About, I'm feeling good about it. I'm not that presumptive. <laughs> well, so we have some other topics already that we're working on that we want to have guests on. Like we're going to do a show on artificial intelligence and all these AI platforms that are on the internet that people have access to and how do we unbox that and what does that mean to the field of architecture and the practice of architecture? What does that mean to education and the ethics behind the use of AI? And that's a lot to unpackage. And while I've been playing with it for months now, and I know that you as a college professor have been dealing with this for months, I want someone that that is all they do is eat, drink, sleep. And I mean, all of it, that's it. Yeah. And so we have, we have a couple options. We're trying to work out the details to get that person on. We also want to talk about prefab or modular construction. And there's a guy that we're thinking would be really good on the show. And I'll tell you, the thing that makes it hard, and I'm going to put this all on me, so you can distance if you want. <laughs> okay. Part of the challenge that we get sometimes is I go, hey, this guy's got a business. This is what he does. He's an architect. He probably can answer all the questions we have. I just don't want to turn into a giant ad for his business. Yeah. Right. And so trying to find that person who will share their knowledge in a way that's not like, hey, here's a sales opportunity for you. That's the nuance. That's why we haven't done a prefab show before, right? It's to try to get someone who does that, that can bring knowledge and information and experience in a way that is digestible and easy. It doesn't feel like you're sitting in a room for a timeshare. Yeah, and it's not a sales pitch. Yeah. It's about that idea, the concepts of it, not about here's my product that I make or here's what we do at company X. And why we're so much better than the other people. Better than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why we're the only ones that are doing it right and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, we want to have a larger scale conversation. And so, yeah, we have to work through a little bit. And sometimes it takes time even to get those schedules aligned when we do find that person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we have some other topics that we, we kind of hit on. Like I have down here financial episodes, like the one that I wanted to talk about, I thought today, but there was some concern like, you know, how far can I get into it? Yeah. There's process oriented ones that you and I talk about a lot. And again, it comes down to making sure that we can talk about something in a way that is interesting to someone who maybe isn't as invested in that topic as we are. Mm-hmm. that they not only enjoy it, but feel like, well, I got something to think about afterwards. And I think sometimes a lot of those too, it's how do we, especially in the process already ones, when it's, it's so much about the, the process itself, the visual aspects of it. So how do we sit around and talk about 
visuals in a way that makes it compelling. Yeah. Because we struggle with that sometimes. Well, yeah, that's great. But how do we talk about it? Yeah. In the audio only medium, how do we manage to pull that off? Some people say, well, it sounds to me like you just should enter <laughs> your lives into the YouTube world. Yeah. I get that a lot, you know, because now there's a lot of people that do what we're doing right now. And the video is just literally what you and I are looking at right now. Yeah, I know. But again, that's Pass. another layer of editing, though. I mean, it's a whole another layer of editing. Well, in this case, I mean, unless you're doing like what Eric Reinhold does, which are these beautiful videos where he's talking over it and stuff is floating through. Look, I see a lot of them. And you know what he does is what I would want to do. But I don't have the time to do that. I just don't. Yeah. And it's not like he's doing, he does them with some regularity. I don't think it's every two weeks. No. And so it's like, well, yeah, okay, but. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go to the next section because this is actually, I'm really excited about this. And it really was a spillover from the challenges we were trying to work through when we were discussing prefab as a topic for the show. And so this is, I think, a very interesting direction. And the premise is simple. The execution is decidedly less simple, but. (laughs) Well, that's the process part, right? That's the figuring it out. Yeah, well, it's less simple if we want to make things easy for people, which is what we do. We want to make things easy for other people. But so essentially what this is, this original idea came to, to me when I was working on the project in Wyoming, which is now dead. Everything's so expensive. The guy's like, well, I'm not doing this anymore. So it, that was the end of that. But that project included a lot of heavy timber framing to it, which that's something that an architect in Dallas doesn't work with. A whole lot. And so obviously I had some questions and trying to find out information like, what wood do you use? Where do you get it? How do you size it? Who does the engineering? Do I do the engineering? Do you do the engineering? Do I have to design my own details? Cause I have some aesthetics. Like there's a whole, like literally I can rail through about 30 questions that I think anybody who just thought about heavy timber construction for a minute in our line of work would have the same questions. Would start to have, yeah, like immediately off the bat. Things you want to know before you even get started. That's right. Call it a heavy timber 101. And I went, you know what? That would be a good show topic. And since we're already buying into the idea that some of these topics require a third person who has a knowledge base that is much, much deeper and broader than our own. So we called our buddy Amanda, our handler, and I said, here's the idea. What if we did this? And here's the concept, people. Prepare to have your socks blown off. (laughs) I mean, we're close to getting this wrapped up. Yeah. You can now get continuing education credits for listening to this podcast. What? Not right now. We're working on it. <laughs> this is, we're working. And it's not every episode. You're not getting credit for this <laughs> thing we're talking about right yeah, now. This episode does not have any credits for it. There's no credit involved. Yeah. But yeah, no. it's like, so for heavy timber, I can, I go, look, I can go find a heavy timber guy and start off with the basic premise going, hey, I bet you guys got a CEU. And they're like, yeah, of course we do. And here's the premise. And I was explaining this to my wife and I go, continuing education credits, they kind of have a premise that they're not brand specific. That's the premise. You're not coming in to talk about your specific way of doing things. You're talking about, this is how this works. Mm -hmm. And then when they finish their presentation, the part that's been accepted as a viable continuing education unit, then they throw on their bid at the end, which we all like, okay, I totally get it. Like, If you're an architect, you know what's going on the whole time. Like, this is nothing shocking. But the idea that you could listen to this podcast and then go to the link on on our show notes, answer a couple questions, and get a continuing education credit, that's awesome. I mean, that's so cool. 
and we're working with our media partners, the building design and construction folks, where they will process your testing for you and get your credit submitted for you. So you don't have to self-report. Yeah, so it's not even self-reporting. I'm going to try to help to see if we can't even get HSWs for yes. something, which is even a bigger thing, right? So you can get an HSW credit for listening to us two idiots talk about, or listen to somebody else talk about stuff for an hour. Yeah, listen to us two <laughs> idiots listen to somebody who knows what they're doing. Exactly. To, yeah, coax things out of someone else who's much smarter about a topic than, than we are. I don't know if you think that's as cool as I do, but on a scale of one to a hundred cool, this is easy in the 90 percentile cool. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think if you're listening, that's pretty cool. But even if you didn't, the idea of that, it's just another way to consume those things instead of sitting in front of your computer. You can do it on the way on your commute or on your bike ride or whatever. Yeah. That's the appealing part to it, to me, that makes it more fascinating. I mean, because it's not like CEUs are groundbreaking things, but we often have them. But I think the ability to get them in this, this manner is pretty, pretty cool. It's also building on the, the you said the word presumptive, and I'm going to lean into that word again. Yeah. We're not the destination for somebody who wants to get a CEU. What this means is the people that already come here and like what we do or whatever our thing is, as a benefit, like, hey, by the way, you were listening to this yeah. now, but now you can get a CEU for it. That's why I think that's yeah. cool. That's why I love that. We're giving you even more. Yes. <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. There's a lot of moving parts to it because there's some that are like really obvious to me. I got a little secret list of all the ones, which I'll be honest, are all incredibly self-serving. Like, I don't know if I can get a CEU. I mean, I know that on when I give presentations, yeah. I know I can register my own presentation. Claim yes, that CEU. I get a CEU yeah, for right, teaching yeah, for sure. my own course. For teaching my own CEU, yeah. I've done that a lot, of course. So, like, I want to know more about Heavy Timber. That's why I'm seeking that one out. That's like, that's one of the first ones that I was like, this is the test case. Let's see if we can't get into this one. That's what I think is cool. Mm -hmm. And if we can work it out in time, then it'll happen. Because we already know when that show's coming. I've already started prepping for it. Yeah. We're just trying to get all the logistics squared away between all the moving parts, all that stuff that happens behind the scenes that you beautiful listener don't have to worry about. That are the, where does the test online live? What questions are there? How many do you have to answer? Yeah, and how does it go? And it, yeah, all that Where stuff. does it go? It gets submitted. And who are the people there that submit it? And it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But I'm excited. At the very least, if I can't get it done soon, it's in the works. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely something we're dealing with, and it is in the works, but we don't have a definite release date yeah. <laughs> at this point. We're shooting for one, but we don't have one. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's also not, again, read into this what you will. We are reliant upon the intent of others to see this through. If it was just up to Bob, I would probably make this happen really fast because that's just who I am. Other people are like, look, I don't wake up at four in the morning. And there's only so much I'm going to get done in a day. And so the process might take a little bit longer to get it done because, again, we're not the ones that are doing it. We're relying on the good graces of others to see it through, which they're all interested. Everybody's on board. This train is rolling down the track. Mm -hmm. We just don't know the speed and how far the next station is. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there you go. CEUs coming to this podcast, hopefully sooner rather than later. Coming to a pair of headphones near you. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I have one last big bullet point item to get into. And, you know, it's funny. As these have evolved over the years, the more and more I hear about it. 
It used to be that we had to like tell people, hey, you know, don't punch out at the end because we got a little treat for you. Yeah. You know, and they're like, what's that? And I go, we do fill in the blank. We do antics. <laughs> yeah. Well, we said this a few times, but if you're new here, I'll tell you. So at the end of the show, currently, we're going to have one today. And this time it's a what's the rank? And we pick a topic and we rank the best of the worst of and we try to be a little silly about it, but like have reasons and we are like we ranked the worst three geometric shapes or the best three hot dog toppings. Half the people punt out because they're like, look, this is not the architectural genius that the first 45 minutes of the show was. So they don't need exactly. it. But a lot of people go, man, I work my way through the first 45 minutes just to get to this part. But do you really think half the people punt out? That's disappointing. I don't think half the people punt out. Come on. I mean, there's some statistics that tell me exactly how many it is. It ain't half. We do way better than that. But it's like... That's what I was going to say. 30% or something. Yeah, I mean... 78% of our listens make it through... The very, very end. To, to the very end. Yeah. That's a pretty high number. And so... So that's 22, that's 22% of people punting out. I know. Like, a quarter. Less than a quarter. Have you not met me? Hyperbole uh, is my middle name. Uh, I know. But you just turned a fifth to <laughs> half. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. So we started off in the beginning with a, in my spare time. And it was our way to kind of say, look, I have hobbies. I'm not just an architect. But it turns out I didn't have any hobbies. <laughs> so that dried up. <laughs> we didn't have any spare time. Because, I mean, I started out yeah. doing that. Even Yeah, we tried that. And it was, was it that? And it was in the office or at the there was a This week in my office. This week in the other one. Like the little bit. And both of those, they died on the vine real quick. <laughs> well, we decided the problem with the this week in my office was it kind of required you to listen to the previous episode because they turned into serials. Yeah. Like yeah. in this week's ongoing saga between Bob and Landon or whatever it was. Yeah. You remember last week when we were talking yeah. about this X project and now if you don't, yeah. And we thought that that would be a good idea, but then I kind of go, I don't know that it is because people don't listen to these in orders or they discover the show. Like I got an email earlier today. Somebody goes, I just listened to 19 episodes of your show and they started with last week's and they went in reverse order. Yeah. And I see the number of downloads, like the number one sure. show, the biggest number of downloads is episode number one. I know, it's tragedy crazy because you weren't on it. I mean, the idea is that people get into it and they go, well, I want to go to the very beginning and find out what this is all about. Yeah. So we have other shows, like number two is not the second most listened to show. No. It moves all over the place a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So people don't listen to them in order and they don't listen to all of them. So doing some kind of running serial just didn't work. So then we moved on to hypothetical questions and those lasted a long time. That was a good run. And they were fun, but we quit doing them. And for those of you that missed them, the reason we quit doing them is because they turned into like 20 or 30 minute conversations. And Andrew and I, it was like some December or January and we're fighting over like, you're taking too long to do your stuff. And you're like, it's leaving me no time. And he's like, I'm editing 40 minutes of what superpowers the best, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and which was a fair point. So we're like, okay, let's change the type of question so that it's not so nebulous like like we can't bring it just anywhere we want there was that and you know part of it that segment was getting really long yes we dragged those out for like 30 minutes which i know some people thought that was great and they enjoyed some of those idiotic conversations that we were at debates that we were having about things and then also it seemed like after a while because i want to say it was like 40 episodes of that or something i mean it was a while it was a while yeah 
we were running out of hypotheticals there, it always came back to like which superpower was it that you needed to have to do something. And so that got to be a little bit difficult to come up with those questions and keep that going and not ending up back in the same, having the same conversations about invisibility versus teleportation. I mean, I love the conversations we had, but it just turned into a lot. Yeah, yeah. So that's when we started going to Would You Rather. We went to Would You Rather after that. We're trying to eliminate the number of options that you might have, but it was still, it was great. I loved them. But they were very far out there a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. They start getting hard. Like just coming up with them for that long starts, it's a hard one. Coming up with those was difficult. I had a book and I did website searches and stuff and it's, it's hard to come up with them that A, appropriate for the show, but B, enough that we can't just go. They had to be a little bit more than just going, I picked that one. Yeah. You know, I pick option A or they're not easy. Everybody's like, oh, I could do a ton of them. Well, it's not quite that simple to say, this is something we need to talk about for about 10 to 15 minutes. Well, so like the question would be like, would you rather be half unicorn or half goat? I'm like, we're no, it's dumb. We're not answering that. <laughs> yeah. So then we went to the, what's the rank? And those have been pretty good. Yeah. You know, and we're like, like I said, we're ranking best hot dog toppings or something along those lines. So I was thinking about this over the last week or two, and I came up with two new options that I'm interested in kind of working through them to see if we segue into those for a little while. One is very similar to the Would You Rather, but it's, it's a little bit more mm-hmm. specific. It's just titled Either Or. And it's the, you have to choose between two specific things. It could be beach or mountains or wine or rum punch, or we can get two things and you can say, well, like think of it as like a Rorschach test for two words. <laughs> so this is kind of the idea behind it. Yeah. The other one that I thought would be good, and I actually think it might even be better. My working title for that was this and that. The and is very specific. It's very important for this. This and that. Yeah. The premise with that one is, it's a yes or no type situation, but you kind of get one really good thing and then one thing that's really not as good, and you have to decide whether or not you would accept both of them, this and that. For example, you're tall, but have bad breath, <laughs> you know, or yeah, yeah. genius IQ, but can't swim. You know, like, like, uh, yeah, is that okay or not? Right. I would love to have a genius IQ, but I can't ever swim. Like I can't get in water. Like that's, Ooh, is that worth it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's the premise. I mean, the debate becomes whether or not it's whether the good is worth the bad. Yes. I would assume is kind of the, the point of that. Yes. Okay. Are you willing to make this one concession to get this other awesome thing? Yeah. And the working theory on all of this is that. It doesn't mean we get rid of the other ones. So this would be more like you might listen and get a hypothetical question this episode, and then you might get a this and that on the next one, or a would you rather, or what's the right? Yeah. We have a bunch now. It gives us a little variety so that maybe these segments can still remain some kind of interesting and what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to pitch the idea of the one episode that's nothing but hypotheticals around Christmas or something. That last episode of the year is just, Three hypotheticals and that's it. We yeah. call it a day because that's at least easy. And we know we can fill the time, but I haven't convinced you of that yet, I don't think. Well, we did a couple of them. First off, A, it was my idea, the hypothetical show. <laughs> we did that one. We did, did it once. Yeah. Or twice. Yeah, I know, but that was always in place. 
in that one, there were there were five hypotheticals. There were our, our three favorites, and then we did two new ones. Yeah. Yeah. We did that one. Yeah. You ought to listen to the show sometime. <laughs> we haven't done it in a while. How about that, though? Uh, two years. We didn't do it last year. It's when we canceled it. The year before we did it. Did we? Was it just a year before? It's just so long ago. It seems like forever. Yeah, because remember, I did some of them. Like, you weren't on for well, that one year. I was sick. And that was yeah. in 2020 when I was sick. Yeah. My first so, bout of COVID. <laughs> nice. So that's really kind of the big architectural defrag of Life of an Architect podcast. What are we thinking through? What are we working on? What are we trying to accomplish? It's a lot. I don't know what to make of it other than <laughs> I feel somewhat lighter after, after having spewed all that out. <laughs> it's almost like the Life of an Architect State of the Union. The State of the Union was last night. Today we do podcasts. Yeah. State of the Union. I used to write a blog. Dumped it all out, yeah. Well, back when I wrote more blog posts, I would have a, all right, here's the beginning of the year. What's what's up? Yeah. And I kind of quit doing those. Yeah. So that's a little bit of what this one is, but I wanted to put it out there so that the people who do listen, and there's a handful of them, even though they're all mad at me right now because the workaholic episode, everybody came at me and I'm like, I'm not having it. So I think everybody's a little, you know, punch drunk or, or gun shy or whatever the whatever the phrase is angry right now but I, mean, I don't know well we get a lot of people that there's a culture there's a there's a clump of us that always kind of seem to chime in and you know if nothing else i would like for those people to weigh in with some of the things we put in like are we on the right track are we doing what people want because ultimately if this was just for me i don't need to record it <laughs> you know yeah. i know yeah i got my own inner monologue I, yeah yeah or you and i can just have a chat we don't exactly. have to edit it and make graphics and write a blog post. I don't have to yeah. do any of that. Exactly. All right. So let's get into this episode's What's the Rank? Because that's what we're doing this one. We're not moving on to either or or this and that yet. And so I sent this to Andrew ahead of time. His initial, like almost immediate response was, that's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. And when you got into it, did you decide, yeah, it's really not that hard? Uh, no, I still don't. I'm, I'm still not real certain about it, but. Okay. We'll see. So here's what we're doing. Because I don't know what your rules are. I'm still trying to figure, because some of the things you listed to me were fall into the category, but. Uh, no, it, then, okay, I'm going to say you're, no. Okay. Because the ranking is the best three non-traditional household pets. So that means these aren't pets that everybody's got, like they're not common, and they're household pets, which means not a horse, not a lion. Those things are not in your house. And see, now I got to redo my, because one of them, I think it's be, I mean, I guess it's a pet. You could have a lion in your house if you want. Nobody has, a, no. Siegfried and Roy even like didn't keep up. They came into the house, but they weren't <laughs> household pets. Okay. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. See this again is, is, yeah, I just. Cause I didn't want like you to say mm, crocodile. I'm like, no, that is, come on, man. Delete, delete, delete. You just. <laughs> Did I just hit one that you put on there? Yeah. Man, because I had a crocodile in my house. It's in the alive one. It's a baby, one. though. Yeah, it was yeah. a little one. It came As in. a pet? As a yeah. pet. Yeah. Okay, well, then you can argue that that counted. In an aquarium. You can say that accounts then. At some point, it would have outgrown it, but no, nah, it's fine. It's too late now because I just, just ruined it. You just blasted it out there. Yeah, so yeah, it was I all know. in there. Non-traditional household pets. Not pets. If I'd said just pets, then that meant like they're out in the yard, you know? Yeah. So that was, that's what was important. What, okay, but a dog is a household pet. It could be in my yard. Yeah, but most people let their dog in the house. You don't have to, but they're considered their domesticated household pets. That's pretty right. common. 
I don't I think know. I'd get a lot of pushback on that one. No, no, I don't. But I'm just saying, like, I know a lot of people that don't let dogs in their house, but they have dogs. That was my house growing up. My parents didn't let the dog in the house, but yeah, that's because they had me. a thing about dogs in the house. Not because dogs aren't generally allowed in the house. They just didn't want our dog in the house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up with a lot of dogs and they never were in the house. <sighs> Crap. Okay. Do you want me to go first so you can think about it? Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to have to be. I mean, I have my number one. I just don't have now two and three. Like, three for a loop, so. No, okay, let me give you another clarification. It doesn't have to, when I said non-traditional, that means it could be something that people don't traditionally think of as a pet. Okay. Like, you could have a scorpion. <laughs> I gotcha. You know. Well, but you have, yeah. you listed snakes and lizards, etc. and so to me, scorpion falls in well, with that, and. I've never met anyone who, I know people do. Yeah. I've met lots of people that have snakes and lizards. My my mother-in-law had a lizard, a bearded dragon, uh, and a, a turtle yeah. in her house as pets. Yeah. My grand my grandmother <laughs> did. Yeah. So I, that's why I was like, those are not non-traditional because there's a lot of people that have them. Mm, okay. I've never met anyone that had a scorpion, even though I know they exist. People do have it. Sure. But sure. But I don't want to list an example of one that no, no. qualify because it maybe it'll take one off your list That's or fine. something. That's fine. Okay. You go first. I'll go first. So the order on this was very hard for me, to be honest with you. Coming up with the three, I'm not entirely sure. My number three is a ferret. Okay. <laughs> I've known one person in my life that owned a ferret. Yeah. Okay. All right. And this is where I'm having trouble. Because to me, if it's not traditional, that means I can't go buy it at a pet store. No, I just meant like non-typical. It's not typical. You can go get it. One of my lists, you definitely can't go get it at a pet store. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Two of mine, you can, but you'd never see them. The number two on my list, I've never met a person in my life who has one. I can go to TikTok and see lots of people that have them. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I put Ferret on there because I always thought they were cool. I had a friend of mine. He had one. It was oily. It smelled not great. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. But there were other issues associated with that guy, and I don't want to unnecessarily lump all his stuff onto this little ferret. Yeah. But they were kind of fun. I always think of, like, Ricky Ticky Tavi, how cool Ricky Ticky Tavi was who killed the mongoose. And I mean, that's a mongoose. I associate ferrets with mongooses. Okay. Remember the show? No. Ricky Ticky Tavi? No. Was a mongoose, and he had to fight a cobra. Yeah. And you never saw this? No. Oh, my God. I loved it as a kid. I watched it every year when it came out. All right, I'll send you the link. It's awesome. Yes, you should. Because the thing I remember is, if you ever seen this, it was a terrible show in the 80s, a movie called Beastmaster. I remember it, but I don't remember watching it. Well, that guy, like he, it was like He-Man, but he had this thing with animals. Anyway, he had two ferrets in the movie. He'd like make them go do stuff and be like, hey, go over there and rob the keys off of that guy or steal that guy's money while he's sleeping. And that would be the reason why I was like, oh, man, a ferret would be cool. Yeah, I've only known a couple of people in... After that, I don't want a ferret for a pet. <laughs> well, I always associated them with Ricky. I got you. So you should look it up. It was actually part of the Jungle Book anthology by Richard Kipling. Mm -hmm. So this was, a, this was a story that was written like in the 19th century, like 1894 or something like that. And they turned it into an animated 30-minute video. It was like in India. And this King Cobra and the, and the woman King Cobra, they laid eggs and... Ricky Ticky Tavi, his job was to go get those eggs. Mm. Like we don't want cobras running around. And it's a whole thing. There's animal dying, and you're like, oh God, don't die, Ricky. <laughs> anyway, well, all this probably needs to get cut out. But 
I'd be interested if anyone had ever, like, who has not of my generation. I, everybody has to know that story. That's interesting. Okay. What's your number three? I still think, I mean, I'm going to, I'm, you can tell, just say, you it. can tell me I'm out on this one, but it's a chameleon, even though it is a lizard. Okay. I, that's fine. I'll, I'll let you use it. Uh, we can let the people chime in on whether that's a specifically a chameleon. Cause I think those are, yeah, I've no. never known anybody that had one. I haven't either. So that's why I'm willing I've to. I've seen them in pet stores like every once in a while, but I think that would be a really cool pet. Yeah. I don't know. I just like them. Yeah. Because they can change colors and they're kind of freaky looking and the eyeballs go different ways and stuff. I've always been fascinated with chameleons. So that would be it. My, yeah. A chameleon. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you one. I'll give you that. Would be a cool kind of pet that you would keep in the house. There's no pushback on my side. Okay. Just like bearded dragon. Yes. Cause yeah. I mean, those are normal, like all those sorts of typical lizards. Not only did grandma have one, my nephew's wife has one, a bearded dragon. Yeah. I bet that's a fairly common thing. Yeah. Komodo dragon, on the other hand. <laughs> but that could stay yeah. in your house, I don't think. Not not recommended, yeah. Okay, so since it's my question, do you still want me to go first, or you want to go into your number two? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. My number two is a sugar glider. Oh, like the little flying squirrel. It's a little flying squirrel. They're technically more closely related to possums, actually. Oh, are they really? Huh. And you know what? They're They're not super hard to get a hold of. They're not cheap. You can buy them. It has to do with how old they are when you buy them, but you can get them for around two to $500 in that range. Interesting. And they're awesome. And they want to like be in your pocket. Oh, and yeah. You can like chuck them and they'll float and then they'll hop back like bunny rabbits and climb up your leg and get in your pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought they look super soft. They look super awesome. The one thing for all you people out there like, oh, yeah, I want a sugar glider now too when I look it up. You really need to get two of them. Oh, are they that kind of thing? The big knock on them. Yeah, they, like, they won't do well if it's just one. Interesting. And part of the reason you need two is because they're nocturnal. So most of their awesomeness is like at night. In the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's probably some work you can do where you can do stuff like when you're awake. But they're incredibly social. Mm. That's just part of the reason why they'll want to be in your pocket. They want, but they both want to be in your pocket. Yeah. Kind of thing. All right. So sugar glider. That's my number two non-traditional household pet. Okay. So my next one is going to be a, a chinchilla. Oh, those are gross. I don't know if they're gross. I just think they look cool. I have no idea. They're cool. I don't know anything about them. I just think they're kind of cool. I know a lot about uh, them. I know very little. Well, I, here's what I'll give you. They are incredibly soft and furry. Yeah, that's what I thought. They're, they look like super fuzzy. Yeah. Combination between a rabbit and like a supersized <laughs> gerbil. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think it could be cool, but I have no idea about if they're super gross. Maybe they are, because they're... They don't smell good. Oh, really? One. They smell terrible. Interesting. Yeah, they smell terrible. I had no idea. And part of the reason they smell terrible is they don't wash themselves. They take dirt baths. Oh. Can you not wash them? No, you're not supposed to wash oh. them. So what happens is they have like this volcanic dust that you can get, and you got to set up like these dirt baths for them to get in there and just like roll around. Sure. And like, that's how they clean themselves. Interesting. And so we ended up... So now I don't want a chinchilla. No, I'm just joking. So uh, when my daughter was in second grade, she volunteered us to watch one of the science room teachers, lizards, uh-huh. and the chinchilla for the summer. Ah, uh, okay. And we're like, it smelled horrible. We couldn't wait. To Interesting. Get rid of it. Well, I didn't realize it that. looked adorable. You looked at it and go, mm. yeah. I've just seen videos of like how cute and cool they like. They look like fun. They kind of bounce around a little bit. Oh, that looks yeah. fun. I had no idea that they, they probably like, are. 
Well, that's the knock on ferrets too, because they don't smell good and they're oily and, you know, it's controversial because some people will say, well, you got to get rid of the gland and it's the anal gland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's outlawed in some countries and they're the the hardcore ferret people are like, that's cruelty to animals. And I'm not mocking them. It's one of the reasons I went, okay, if you're going to get a ferret, you got to take it for what it is. Like, I'm going to go ahead and support the people that are like, no chopping stuff off to have a pet from an animal, right? I'm on board with that. So the chinchilla knock is the same as the ferret knock, to be gotcha. honest with you. Okay. Okay, my number one. Do you want me to go first? Your choice, whatever. Well, I'm going to go so that you get the final reveal. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. I mean, I'm assuming it's a household pet. I don't know you might argue with you, but it's still, it's, what do they call the The capuchin monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Little monkeys, and they don't get very big, but they're kind of fun. They're a little bit rascally, it seems like. I've always thought a monkey would be kind of fun to have. Again, I think there's probably issues with hygiene and things like that, but I've always thought, eh. Yeah. It'd be cool to have a monkey. They got to wear diapers. I mean, to me, in my mind, I could teach it to use a toilet and stuff because they're smart, but maybe not. I have no idea. Maybe maybe I have to graduate mm-hmm. to chimpanzee for that kind of thing. <laughs> I have no clue, but. I don't know. I will tell you. So there's an account that I actually follow on TikTok. Yeah. And it's a monkey account. And they have. But theirs is, it's not a capuchin because those are like the size of a softball. Like they're not very big. Yeah, those are little. This one's more, almost like a, more of like a spider monkey in a way. And their whole house is set up for, they have that two big, this... they have two dogs and this monkey and they yeah. like horse play with each other constantly. And the monkey's <laughs> running, slide on the floor. And then he like hops on the back of one of the dogs and punches the next one. And he's like, ha ha, I can't get me. I'm on the dog. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny account. I'm amused by monkey antics. So yeah. I am too. I mean, I've always, I was going to say chimpanzee, but I think that's probably too big. Oh, and they'll rip your face off. But like BJ and the bear, when I was a kid growing up, that TV show. <laughs> I remember. I love that show. Like the truck driver, had a, you know, had a monkey as his co-pilot pet that lived with him in the thing. I love that show. Yeah. That show made me want to own a monkey more than anything in the world. Well, oh, it's called Kiki the Spider Monkey. Oh, okay. That's the account oh. that I am following. So it is a spider monkey. It's a spider monkey, and it just runs around the house grabbing stuff and swinging and jumping in the ball pit and punching the dog and then sliding underneath. I mean, these are some pretty chill dogs. <laughs> yeah. Know? But yeah. All right. I'm on board. Although I wouldn't mind. I guess that's what it's. They're like the tiny, they call them finger monkeys or marmoset monkeys. Yeah. That are even tinier. That may be what I would want. I mean, it's probably like the size of your sugar glider. It's a little bitty monkey. But at a certain point, like it's. You could just get like a stuffed toy for that thing. <laughs> no, but still. Like, I'm not sure it's doing like, well, okay, what I'm about to say does not align with my number one pet. Like, okay. I feel like you need to get something out of the relationship. Like, it's yeah. give and take. That's part of it. And that's kind of why I was leaning more towards chimpanzee, because I could be like, hey, man, go grab me a beer out of the fridge or go. Come sit on my lap and give me cuddles. They could teach it to do something, right? Yeah. But like you say, I wonder thinking about bj and the bear like was it just it was always like a a teenage monkey they never like have a, a full-grown chimpanzee because those seem to get like wow. really big i want one that's medium size if i want one and it doesn't really stay that way i don't think they yeah. make toy chimpanzees or something all right let me tell you my number one yeah let me have it you know and it not only does nobody have this as a pet i'm pretty sure it's illegal oh so a, yeah you can't have it as a pet i'm about to be shocked so let me hear it yeah shocked is probably not the right word oh the other thing is is I'm not sure they give you a whole lot, <laughs> but they're literally too adorable. Oh, okay. And that is a koala bear. Oh, all right. 
You say that till they like gnash their. Have you ever seen a mad koala bear? They're pretty scary. I've never seen them uh, do anything other than sleep or just like hug somebody. That's it. That's the only, that's the only two things they do. All right. Fair enough. You know, and I sit there and go, they're so adorable. You just like hug them and they sit on your lap and you just watch TV and they just <laughs> put their head. That's their sweet spot right there. What yeah. they're giving you, that's what they want to do. They're like a stuffed animal in themselves. Well, it'll be interesting. One of the guys that comments on the site fairly often, you know, guy Bruce, he's mm-hmm. from New Zealand, if I remember correctly. Yeah, some, yeah, I think so. He's got some proximity to koala bears. I'm sure he does. I'm not saying, I don't know if there's koala bears in New Zealand or not. I don't think so, but he probably has enough knowledge about his Australian mates. <laughs> yeah, but they're closer than they are to us. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he probably like, oh yeah, they're terrible. Yeah. I don't know. He might go, no, they're pretty cool. They're pretty chill. So anyway. That's my number one. Interesting. Number one non-traditional household pet would be a koala bear. It makes me think of those things when I was a kid. They had these little, you could clip them on anything. They were little stuffed animals, but I mean, they were literally like. You kind of squeeze the shoulders. You squeeze the back and their arms opened up. Yeah. Like I always had the koala bear when I got those. It was always the thing that I would get is the koala bears. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to say that we're at a point where we're going to wrap the show up. Thank you for being with us today for episode 119, Architectural Defrag. Special thanks to our sponsor, Peterson, which manufactures pack clad architectural metal cladding systems. Visit pac-clad.com for more. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want a good every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every two weeks when we publish an ultra cool new episode. While you're there, please take a few moments and leave us a five star Be Glad You're Not Me rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this splendiferous episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your voice and join the conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers.